So glad you're here. Now's the time, Jake. Jake's like, I'm ready. When do you want? I'm like, now's a good time. We're going to have a round of applause for Jake today. Thank you so much, Jake. Thank you so much. Just love adding new team members and just breathtaking couple. I had the privilege of marrying them a few months ago, and uh, so good to see people coming into uh, the family, into the church. Today, on our, on our fifth birthday, me and Nancy were talking a few months ago, like, what are we going to do for our fifth birthday? And uh, I said, I don't know, not complicated. I'm just thankful after the season we've gone through to be able to gather. Right? And can someone say amen? I was like, but we also need chocolates. So we got chocolates. We also need a slip and slide bouncy castle, depending on the weather. We got hot dogs. And, you know, I just want to be a wiener for Jesus. And uh, I know, I know. Um, but I said, I, we, we said, we'd like to bring some guests in. So um, we, uh, I was in Winnipeg, and I asked my friend, and I said, Jeremy and Melissa, would you come for our birthday? And they were gracious enough to change their schedule around and make sure it was a priority. And Jeremy and Melissa minister in uh, Peterborough, Ontario. They have three breathtaking teenagers. Um, this is Melissa's really first time to Halifax. Jeremy's been here before, but it's both their first time at Nova. Um, can we give a, a huge Nova welcome to Pastor Jeremy Albrecht? Thank you, thank you. Don't go anywhere. Stay here, my friend. Nancy, come come join Mike, if you would. I believe in honor, and uh, I, we are so, my wife and I are so humbled and honored to be here with you on this special occasion. And this is significant. Amen? I work at our district office, and so we work with church plants just like Nova all the time. And many of our church plants, unfortunately, don't make it to the five-year mark. This is a big deal. You guys would never say that. You guys out here would never say that because you're humble people and you love Jesus and it's about him. And I could tell right from the time we set foot in this place, it's about Jesus. The fact that you have such an amazing dream team and people in the back, like we're just overwhelmed this morning. But time is measured in minutes, but life is measured in moments. And this is a moment. And I don't want to miss the moment. And so I want to honor you guys today. And we want to pray for you and bless you. And they've honored so many people here this morning. And, and they would never make it about themselves. If you would, yeah, that, that slides up on the screen. Happy fifth birthday. Like, there's so, I love your vision, your mission statement. I love this, though. Welcome home. How many of you ever heard the statement, home is where the heart is? What I've found to be true in my life is the heart is most comfortable and most at home in a culture of generosity, a culture of honor, a culture of hospitality, and that's what Nova Church is. And that flows back to you guys, obviously to Jesus. And we honor him today, and you guys have honored him, but things rise and fall on leadership. Amen? And if you, church, let me just say something to you. If you want to be blessed... How many want to live a blessed life, a favor of God? You, how many know if you want to be blessed, your pastors need to be blessed because you get to sit under the overflow of how God blesses them. And so I want to bless you guys. We want to honor you. Wilson and I want to invest in you guys. We got you this card, and it's for Maddie and Josh. There's something in there for them as well. We want to honor you guys today, and we just want to pray. So would you stand, church? And I want you, if you believe, if you're comfortable doing this, Maybe you're brand new. This is your first Sunday. Just, this is probably good that you're seeing this, actually. This is kingdom. 
And so if you're comfortable, if you're online, if you just stretch your hands towards this couple this morning, we want to pray blessing. Can we just pray for them and pray God's blessing over them? So Holy Spirit, just speak. Speak for we're listening this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel impressed to, to, to share this word with you guys before I pray that some of the tests and the trials you guys have gone through up to this point in the past five years, every test is a testimony, and testimonies have prophetic power because we can look back and see how God's been faithful in the past. There's been some lions and bears that you guys have encountered, and faith is all about connecting the dots. David connected the dots, but we don't discover David without Goliath. You guys have been through some trying times, but you're not just passing these tests for you guys and for Nova today. You're passing the tests for Nova 30 years from now. Come on, somebody. And so I I pray, God, I pray for your power. I pray for your strength. I pray for your tenacity to keep going. God, I thank you for giving them the grace to fight when they didn't feel like they had any fight left in them. We're here today because they didn't give up. Because of your grace, your power, God, it is because of you and the strength that you've given this couple. And so, Father, I pray for more. I I pray for the season that's coming. They're about to enter. I just feel even Joshua 3, 5 this morning. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. God's about to do something amazing. Come on. And so, Father, would you bless them? Every area, their finances, their relationship, their family, for Maddie and Josh, even out in Vancouver this morning. God, I pray blessing upon them. We thank you. You're a good God. You're a good and faithful God. I thank you for the... I thank you for the culture that they've built because of who these people are. God, from the moment I met them, they have accepted me. They've accepted me and my wife. Even this weekend, we show up and there's hospitality. They've blessed us. God, we're just overwhelmed with their kindness. And I know that that's what Nova is all about. And God, you honor that because that's who you are. You're a good God. You're a kind God. You're a loving God. And so, Father, I thank you for this couple. I pray, God, the season they're about to step into. Father, would you prepare them? Some of the seeds you planted years ago when they were kids are about to be harvested. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name that's above every other name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you for allowing me to do that this morning. I just... I love your past. I know you guys love your pastors. You wouldn't be here. Thank you, worship team. Wow. Pastor Matt, team, that was amazing. Like, these guys get in here at 8 o'clock in the morning and set everything up, and it sounds like, my, my goodness, wow. I, I, I just want to honor this house and what's been established here over these past five years. I didn't want to just rush through this moment and get to the word because this is significant. This is a moment here today, and we are, like I said, we're humbled and honored to be here. So thank you, Pastor Mike, Pastor Nancy, for inviting us to come. It was our honor to be here. We've had such a good time enjoying Halifax. I mean, we've walked around, we've seen your city, and we're in love. We know why you guys love it so much now, because it is an amazing city. We got to stay right downtown, and these guys have just, you guys have blessed us so much. Like, wow. Can we go to God's Word 
Anyone still reading this book? Still after COVID, after everything else we've been through, we still believe in this. And they're going to have the scripture on the screen. And I'm going to get right to it for the sake of time this morning. And so if you have your Bible, that's great. I think they actually have free Bibles here. If you don't have a Bible, you can get one on your way out this morning. And that would be amazing. So grab your Bibles. Matthew chapter 9. I want to read for you a few verses out of God's word. How many know God's word always deserves a response? Amen? Do you believe that this morning? And so uh, we're going to just pursue Jesus for the next few moments here today. Matthew chapter 9, if you're there, just say, I'm there. I like feedback. I I don't know what you guys are accustomed to, used to, but so talk back to me, you know, if, 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 just so I know you're still alive and you're not, you know, going into, you don't need another splash of coffee yet. We can get that for you after, but just let me know that you're out there. So if you like something, you can say, that's good. Amen, even. Or ride that bus is my personal favorite, just to switch it up. If you don't like something, that's okay. Just tell somebody else, okay? <laughs> after the service, after you're gone. Matthew chapter 9, here we go, says this. We're going to start reading at verse 9 to 13 and then jump down a little bit. It says this, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. But sinners. Jump down to verse 35, if you would. Same chapter. Jesus goes on. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Healing every disease and sickness. That's who Jesus is. That's what he's got the power to do. Amen? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's a bad situation right there. Sorry, I just want to, you know, I like the, the spirit of what Nova's been built on with puns and dad jokes and all that fun stuff. I just felt I had to. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. It is life to us. God, we know it deserves a response. God, I thank you for this house. We thank you for five years. It's been some tough days in those five years, but you, my God, are so faithful. You're so faithful. And so, Father, this morning, I pray as we unpack just this passage and what you have to share with us, I pray we'd be receptive, we'd be ready, it would fall upon good soil today and take root and produce a harvest that would blow our minds. Why? Because there's people in Halifax and beyond who are still far from you, who need to be brought close to you. So Jesus, help me this morning. I pray you bless, bless my pastor this morning. Bless him, honor him, fill him. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 
One of the things I, I noticed right away in being here walking in this morning is all the, all the young faces. This, this church has been built through the generations. It's multi-generational, and I think that is absolutely incredible. It means there's life 30 years from now because you're making investments. And to see people, young people, I saw a, a kid up here on the stage holding a, a, a thing to, to balance the cameras. Like it's for, all the generations are represented here, and I just think that's amazing. Um, I, I remember, and so I see a lot of young families. I see kids and toddlers, and I remember that stage. Our kids are grown now. Te- we got two teenagers and one that's, well, she's, she's 12, but she's like 21 um, and so we, I remember the potty training phase, though, of being, how many, I don't remember, maybe you're out of it now, but you remember those glorious days of potty training, and it could be horrendous, it could be absolute, it's so messy, it could be frustrating as a parent, and I thank God for my wife, and, and she did a lot of the hard work while I was at work, and, and, and I'm so thankful for that, but I remember early, we were bringing our last, our final child, Sophie. And we're bringing her through the, that, and she was, I forget how old she was, but she was almost there, but not quite. And we're out driving around our city at the time where we were living, I think we were living in Ottawa at the time, and, and we're driving around doing some errands, and she announces from the back seat in her little car seat that, Daddy, I gotta go to the bathroom! Now, I don't know about you or how you're wired, but for me, I immediately go into assessment mode. And I start assessing the situation, like, how much time do I have? How urgent is this? Do we have time to make it home? Do I need to pull over to one of those grungy, cringy gas stations and disinfect the whole place before I let her? No, I'm not doing that. And so I'm like, I think we can make this, okay? We, we've got this. And so I'm checking in with her, and after my assessment with her, I'm like, I think we can do this. We can make it. And so I start driving a little more intentionally. And, uh, and, and we're driving, weaving our way through. And the closer we got to home, the more urgent the situation became. And, and it's increasing in her voice. I can tell the urgency is, and she's like, Daddy, I really got it. Well, just hold it, baby. Like, you can make this. You're, you're going to be, we're almost there. Like, 10 minutes out, and, and she's really, like, it's in her voice. She's in tears now. And she's like, Daddy, I really got it. And I'm like, you could do this. I'm not stopping. Like, I'm fully committed now. And so we finally get to our driveway, and, and how many know those car seats can be like, they're testing my Christianity that day. Like, when you need to get in there quick, like, it's difficult. It's brutal. And I thank God for car seats and safety and everything. But on that day, like, I, I'm cursing this thing as I'm trying to get this belt, and she's crying, and I'm trying to get her. And so I get her out of the car seat, and I'm holding her out here because I'm wise. And, and we get to the bathroom. We have a little powder room inside of our, our town home there. And I fling open the door. We get into the bathroom. And I got her sitting. And I'm crouched on the bathroom. And I got her sitting on my knee. And I'm trying to pull down her tights to get her up on the porcelain promised land. Like, we're there. We're almost there. And as I'm about to lift her off of my knee, the floodgates open. Like, we're there, church. Like, we're already there. We're within seconds of, like, being home free. And she just... She couldn't hold it any longer. And I'm thinking, two seconds, like we had. And I learned a valuable lesson that day. Besides, you know, make sure your kids go to the bathroom before you go out anywhere. Or do not, definitely do not put your child on your knee when they really have to go to the bathroom. There's a mess all over the floor. My pants are soaked. Like, but I learned something bigger than that, a principle that I want to unpack this morning. And it's this. Urgency increases with proximity. Urgency increases with proximity. The closer we get, 
the closer we got to that bathroom, the more urgent the situation became. Now, I'm not here to talk to you about potty training, and everybody said amen. I'm here to talk to you about Nova's mission, your mission here at Nova Church, the, the way this whole thing started five years ago. And I love it. It's on your website to see people far from God be brought close to God. And as I started thinking about that and thinking and praying and asking Holy Spirit, what would you have me share this morning? I thought, I felt the Holy Spirit's bring them back to the mission, how this whole thing got started. To see people far from God be brought close to God. Some of you were far from God five years ago. You're here today because somebody here at Nova, or you heard, and you've been brought close to God. Praise God. That's amazing. We celebrate that. That never gets old. It never should get old. That's the mission. As I started thinking about that and praying about that, I thought, you know what? That's a proximity thing. To see people far from God, be brought close to God, that's a proximity thing. And what I've found to be true in potty training is true for you. Urgency increases with proximity. The closer we get to those who are far from God, the more urgent the matter becomes in our hearts because we begin to hear their hearts. And God begins to grip our hearts with what's on his heart. Because it all starts with being close to Jesus. Amen? You're not close to Jesus. You'll never have this proximity thing and and be able to bring those who are far from God close to him because he hasn't broken your heart for what's on his heart. And can I just say something before I go any further? The reason, I think often, the reason, and in the church, and you guys are only five years old, and I think that's incredible, so maybe you're, you don't struggle with this as much as some of our more established churches, but the reason often as Christians, we, we get to know Jesus, and, and we start following him, and oftentimes, we start secluding ourselves Because we get scared that people who are far from God are going to negatively influence us. And what happens if we're not careful, church, is we start to view those who are far from Jesus, we start to view them as the issue, them as the enemy. And we're even told this. We've been very careful as parents not to try our best not to parent our children that way. We've got to be very careful what we say or how we identify the issues and I'm all for being wise and you need to watch who your kids are hanging out with because obviously show me your friends I'll show you your future I believe that is true what I don't believe is that that's somebody who's far from God that's their issue that they're the issue because they don't know any better what I believe the real issue the heart of the issue if you can't hang out with those who are far from God the issue is not them the issue is you the issue is me And here's the issue, church. The issue is I'm not close enough to Jesus. Because if I was close enough to him and had the relationship I need to have with him, then they wouldn't negatively influence me. I'd be strong enough because I'm strengthening myself in the Lord as David did. So don't make them the issue. Don't make them the enemy because they don't know any better. And we got to be very careful because we get so scared. And what happens when we get scared? What do we do? We go into fear mode and we start to insulate and seclude and isolate ourselves from the outside world. And then we start making Christian alternatives to everything so we never have to have contact with the outside world. Listen, we got Christian everything. We got alternatives to music. We got our own YouTube now. It's called GodTube. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like all videos about cats and weird other things. It's just weird. We do some weird stuff. We lived in a city once. They had a Christian Yellow Pages. 
It's called the Shepherd's Guide. No joke. I'm not making this stuff up. You could go your entire life and you, and you could have like a Christian plumber come into your house. You could make sure there was a Christian fixing your exhaust pipes on your, uh, like you would, you, you could go your entire life with ever, without ever having contact with the outside world. Because how many know if a Christian plumber fixes your toilet, it's going to be way more holy than if it's somebody who's far from God. I mean, we got, we got Christian, if you've ever been to a Christian bookstore, here we go. They have Christian mints now. So how many know a testament is way more holy than a Mentos? You could go your whole life without ever having contact with the outside world. And that would be a huge tragedy in my mind. Because that's not where God has called us. If you know Jesus today, then it's no longer about you. It's about bringing people who are far from God, close to God. Urgency, the only way that's going to become urgent in your heart, in my heart, is if we get close to people who are far from God. And this is what Jesus does. He models this for us in the word. Check this out. In in, in the last part, in verse 36, it says, the Bible says, Matthew records this in the Gospels, and he says, Jesus had compassion. You know that word compassion in the Greek actually means, it literally is translated to be moved to the inward parts of one's being. Like that's deep. That's deep. It's not that deep. No, that's deep. To be moved, to be wrecked to the inward parts of one's being. Now, why was Jesus so moved? How did he get there? Well, I think we have the indicator. We have the clue back here in verses 9 to 13. Where do we find Jesus? Who's he hanging out with? He's hanging out with Matthew. Who's Matthew? He's a tax collector. He's hanging out with sinners. He's not just hanging with them. He's not just waving at them from a distance through, through a bubble, an insulated, isolated bubble. No, he's burst the bubble. He's having a meal with them. These are his friends these are his people. Sinners. And he knows. Jesus. How many of you know Jesus knows? He reads the Pharisees' mail. Before they can even say it, he's like, I know you guys are struggling with this, and I know why. But let me remind you, religious people, and there's none in here this morning. I know that. Let me remind you, religious people, who I came for. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. I came not for the righteous, but for sinners. And so Jesus is moved because he's continually, consistently hanging out with those people who need to be rescued. That's why his heart was so moved. That's why he was so torn, so wrecked. And then it moves us down to the final thing he says, verse 37. He says, hey, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I'm here to remind you. I'm here to tell you. I'm here to prophetically speak over this church. I believe you guys are about to head into a harvest season. You're heading into a harvest season. You're heading into a season of harvest. But the Lord is looking for workers. You see, there are people in Halifax. There are people within the surrounding area, wherever you're watching from online this morning. There are people within your area who are far from God, who need to be brought close to God. There's a harvest waiting. It's ripe. And God's looking for workers, people who will burst the bubble, people who will get close to those who are far from God. Here's the truth, church. 
without the life-giving message of hope and love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Your friends, your neighbors, your family members, your co-workers who don't know him yet are going to spend an eternity in hell. I'm sorry, I know that's harsh. I know that's tough, but you know what? Me even saying that this morning is not enough. Because most of us in here already knew that. Has it changed the way we live? Does it change our relationships? And so you're sitting there today, you're watching online, what do we do? Okay, what's the answer then? Here, listen to my heart. I'm not here to give you another to-do list. This is not a guest speaker coming in and giving you another to-do, because I know we're all overwhelmed. We all have our stuff. We're all busy. We don't need any more (laughs) to-dos. Can I suggest that Nova's mission to see people who are far from God be brought close to God is more about being more than it is doing more? Can I talk to you for the next couple minutes just about being more? What if this isn't a to-do list? What if we were just a little more, I don't know, intentional? What if we were a little more intentional with what we're already going to do? What would change? You know, Jesus was one of the most intentional individuals to ever walk the face of this earth. He did his entire ministry. Everything God called him to do while he walked the face of this earth was done in three years. Three years, that's it. And we never find him running, and he's never late. And he does it all in three years. Three years. And he goes at a pace that allows a woman with a disease and issue of blood for 12 years to catch up and reach the hem of his garment. Even though this girl he's about to go heal is already dead. Like this is an urgent situation. If this was a time to run, this is his time to run. But what does he do? He's still walking. Not in a rush. Why? Because he knew he had limited time. And that makes us intentional. And one of the things we've lost sight of as a church today is the fact that our time is limited. How many know when you have a limited time to do something, you do it with way more intention? I'm here to remind you this morning, our time is limited. You don't know how much time you got. I don't know how much time I got. We don't know if Jesus is going to come back or or our days are numbered. We believe that. But many of us live like we've, we've... We're invincible. We're never going to die. That's never going to happen. When you know your time is limited, you become that much more intentional. We try to live our lives on purpose because God has a purpose on our lives. So we live with purpose. When we moved to where we currently live in Peterborough, um, I knew we had moved from Ottawa to Peterborough, and I knew right away our son was in grade five at the time when we moved. And he says, Dad, I want to play hockey. And he had played hockey in Ottawa. And so I thought, you know, okay, if, if, if our son's going to play, then, then I've, got, I've, got an, I've got a decision to make. If I already know when he wants to play hockey, I'm going to spend hours at the rink through practice, through games, through everything else. Like, I'm going to be there lots. And so I'm thinking, I can do this as a parent and just sit in the stands and maybe have a couple conversations, but probably spend a lot of time before and after on my phone. Or I could volunteer to coach. I know some things about hockey. I grew up playing. I love hockey. I mean, I could coach, and then I could really build relationships. I could really become intentional and meet other coaches, and I'd have an instant youth group again with all these grade five boys. And so I volunteered to coach, and I've been coaching for the past seven years since we lived there. And God has opened doors through that, through that one intentional decision. How could you be a little more intentional this morning with what you're already going to do? Maybe you like coffee. Maybe you drink coffee and you go to all sorts of different cafes. Maybe you got three different Starbucks you go to. What if for the next six months you decided to go to one cafe, the same one every time? 
for the sole purpose and intention of being intentional. Why? So you can get to know the people's names in there that work there. You can then get to know their story. You can get to know the people that sit there. There's regulars that go to cafes. I don't know what it is for you. For me, I started in COVID. I, started re- I like to read after my devotional time in the morning. I-, I like to read for 20 minutes to a half hour of a book. And so instead of reading inside or on the back deck, I moved my reading spot to the front porch intentionally. Why? Because people walk by on the sidewalk all the time. My neighbors are going to and from work, whatever. I, you know, I've had more conversations in the last two years with neighbors just from moving my reading spot, becoming more intentional with what I'm already going to do. This doesn't have to be another add-on to your life. What if you started thinking about what you're already going to do and become a little bit more intentional with what you're already going to do? What about relational? What if you were a little more relational? You know, Jesus was super relational. I mean, we find him right here in our text. He's hanging out with sinners, with tax collectors. Again, he's having a meal. He's not just an acquaintance that he waves from a distance, a safe distance. He's in their lives. He's in their homes. He's building relationship. Why is this so important to Jesus? Because I think Jesus knew that life change, hear me out, life change happens in the midst of relationship. So why Nova's been so effective over the past five years is because it's been about relationships. It's not just about coming and hearing and then going again and nobody really cares. It's why Nova groups are so important. Because life change happens in the midst of relationship. That's what this church is built upon, relationship. That's why so many are a part of the dream team and give their Sunday mornings week in and week out to make things happen. Because they know relationship matters. Jesus knew this. I mean, for some of us, it, it might change if we were just a little bit more approachable. Maybe we just smiled. I was listening to a, a podcast the other day, and, and I realized something about myself, that I actually have resting bothered face. This is a real thing. This is a real thing. And I was listening to this person talk about this, and they said, just rest your face right now. And I'm driving at the time, so I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and I'm looking, and I just rest my face, and my, the ends of my mouth naturally curl down instead of up. And so... I look when I'm resting annoyed or bothered or unhappy or whatever. And so I'm like, that's a real thing. And in that moment, I'm like, I need to change that. I don't want people thinking that. And so I naturally try and overlift that, not like overdo it like I'm some psycho or a creep out there, but I have to overdo it now. And it feels weird to me, but to people, they're just getting a natural face now when I'm thinking I'm like guy smiley. It's a real, it, be, it becomes that much more approachable, though. It's little things like that that help make us a little bit more relational because we need to be intentional about tearing down the walls that we've built and culture has built over the years. We, we did this about 10 years ago. We started this little, little practice. I was giving out candy at our house for Halloween one year. One of my favorite nights of the year. Why? Because people come to my door without an invitation. I just want to be intentional with that. And so I'm handing out candy, and we had just moved to this house. And I'm handing out candy, and I noticed all the parents are staying on the sidewalk, and only the kids. I'm only getting to meet the kids. And I thought, well, that's a shame, because I want to build relationship with the parents and get to know them and their story. And we're new in this neighborhood. And so I intentionally thought, had this little idea. I don't know if it was Holy Spirit or just me. And I thought, what if next year we move the party halfway to them? Non-intimidating way, but what if we started handing out candy from the middle of our driveway. 
And not just candy. I'm thinking about the parents, and they're always cold. Halloween's like, it's always that time of year where it's not quite like winter, the snow, but it's, it's wet. It's just chilly. And to take the edge off for parents, what if, how many, you know, everyone likes getting something. It doesn't matter how old you are. We all like getting something. And so we thought, what if we handed out free Starbucks coffee to the parents? And so we got some travelers. We set up a table, and we did this the first year, and it blew up. Literally blew up. I posted one picture on Instagram, I think it was. Starbucks Canada began to, began to re, repost that picture. And we had friends and colleagues in ministry messaging us, direct messaging us, and saying, this is incredible. We're doing this next year. For the last 10 years, we've been doing this. We now live in a different city. We did it the first year. I now, we gave out last year over 175 cups of hot chocolate to kids now. Our driveway has lights, LED lights like you have here. Like we light up the neighborhood. People choose their Halloween route based upon our house we've heard this they tell us when they come to our driveway we're like oh we base we always go here like halfway through the night to warm up and get our fill of coffee and hot chocolate tearing down the walls intentional relational what if you were a little more authentic how many know people in this world can smell a fake a mile away there was nothing fake about jesus he loved people from the depths of his heart Bible says when Lazarus died, what did Jesus do? He wept. He wept. He was so authentic. He loved people so well. People knew he was genuine. He was authentic. And you know where authenticity is best noticed? In proximity. I don't know if you're authentic, if you're genuine, unless I know you. And the only way to know you is to be close to you. And once I get close to you, the urgency begins to increase in my heart because I know your story. I know what you've been through. We sat with Mike and Nancy yesterday, and we just had an incredible afternoon, and we we had some deep, life-giving conversations. Tears, Tears flowed. That's authenticity. But it's only noticed, it's only realized in close proximity. You see, church, I believe... One of the things we've lost over the years is our difference. I think we've lost our difference. We, we no longer stand out the way we used to. We don't. We listen to the same stuff. We watch the same stuff. We talk the same way. We're as tight-fisted, stingy with our finances, the, the same as the world. And we just don't, we've lost our difference. And then we have the nerve, the audacity to say to people who are far from God, hey, come to my church, meet my Jesus so you could be like me. And here's what I think happens. I think they do their own little bit of assessing and they go, you watch the same stuff. You talk the same way. You spend the same way. I don't need your Jesus to be like you. I'm already like you. I don't see a difference. You can say ouch or amen this morning, but I think that's true. You know, one, one of my favorite things to tell our kids when I'm dropping them off or I'll just text them randomly throughout the day or they're going somewhere and I'll say, hey, just remember you're different. And I think that's a good thing. Our kids want to fit in so badly. Culture tells them they need to fit in, not stand out. And Jesus says, no, I've called you to stand out. I've called you to be different. 
And when you're different, when you live your faith, when you live it out and it's real and it's authentic, it doesn't mean you don't go through hardship. It doesn't mean we fake it. It means we have deep struggles just like the rest of the world, but we have an answer. We have a hope. And when you live like that, I'm telling you, church, I'll guarantee this because I've experienced it. We've experienced it in our lives. You won't need an invite. People will start showing up uninvited, unannounced. We've seen this happen multiple times in our lives. I've had guys I play hockey with and went to this breakfast and, and they just started showing it because I was able to live it out. I'm having a meal with them every single Friday morning. One of my, my favorite moments of the week when we're pastoring in the city of Ottawa and, and I meet with these guys and they're rough around the edges. They don't know Jesus yet. They're far from God. One of them shows up to church one Sunday morning unannounced, just shows up. I didn't invite him. Happened to be the one of the two Sundays as a youth pastor that I got to speak. And I'm speaking. First service, he shows up, shorts and a t-shirt. As I'm speaking, shows up, comes down the aisle. I've already started speaking. He missed worship, shows up and waves at me. And I wave back. I said, hey, Kyle. And then I go back to preaching. Kyle sits down, comes up to me after the end of the service, and I gave a salvation call. Kyle didn't raise his hand. I was really praying and hoping he would. But he comes running down the aisle and meets me. He says, I had no idea. Like, well, thank you, Kyle. Like, yeah, this is kind of what I do, and God's called me to. And he says, no, that was awesome. He's like, I'll be right back. I have no idea where he's going. But he leaves the church. I'm talking to some other people as I'm making a way out. And we have another service that's going to happen in about 20 minutes. Kyle comes back, and he reaches out with 20 bucks and hands it to me. He's like, here. I'm like, what is this for? He's like, I don't know. I just feel like I need to do something after that. How many know Kyle had it a lot more right than many of us do? God's word always deserves a response. Kyle hands me 20 bucks. I said, I can't take that, man. Put that in the offering. Do so. I don't care what you do with that, but I'm not taking that. He's like, well, that was good. And we go on to talk. I said, well, Kyle, I got to get ready for second service. So have a great day. I'll see you Friday, you know. And these people are in my, these guys are in my phone. Like they're in my, they're my friends. We text like, Kyle says, well, where are you going? I said, well, I got to go back in there and second service is about to happen. He's like, well, I'm coming. I said, no, Kyle. It's, I said, we're going to do the same thing. I'm going to preach the same message, Kyle. He's like, I know. It was so good. I want to hear it again. So Kyle marches in with me, sits in the very front row beside me. He's six foot six. You can't miss him. Shorts and a t-shirt. I'm in my Sunday best. Kyle's there. I'm worshiping. Get up, speak again. I had no idea this guy was coming to church, but he saw somebody living it out in front of him and thought, I want, I don't know what it is that guy has, but it's the real deal, and whatever it is, I gotta find out more. I don't even care if I'm invited. Why is this so important? Because eternity is at stake. Because there's people in Halifax, there's people wherever you're watching from online today, in your sphere of influence, who are far from God that need to be brought close to him. That's why this matters today. Our time is limited. We, if that's all you get this morning, it's worthwhile. Our time is limited. Urgency increases with proximity. I close with this. We had neighbors moving close to us right next door. We were living in our last town, and uh, we had it in our hearts. Holy Spirit impressed on our heart. Give them a significant housewarming gift. Be really, really generous. And so we did. 
We had only met these people once at the end of our driveway. We exchanged pleasantries, and then it, the next meeting we had was knocking on their door. We're in a townhome. They're attached to us. was the next time, and we just said, hey, we want you to know we're your neighbors, and, and uh, here's a gift for you. We handed them this card. We talked a little bit. They found out what we do. I'm a pastor, and, and then we said goodbye. We didn't hear from them for two weeks. We're thinking, well, okay, we, we overdid it. We probably freaked them out a little bit. <laughs> Who are these neighbors that just gave us this crazy gift. We don't even know you. And then we come home one day and there's an apple pie and a card on our front porch. We go in the house, we open up the card and it's from our next door neighbors. And the card said this, this is what caught my attention. It said, oh, thank you. We feel like we're in the best neighborhood ever. You guys are so awesome. And it wasn't that though. And then it read three quarters of the way down the card. It said, we can't wait to check out your church with you. Wait a second. We didn't invite them to church. How dare they invite themselves to our church? We did not invite these people. Who are they to? No, we're like, I'm getting all weepy and emotional. Like, we can't wait to check out your church with you. So Easter rolls around and we're, they had still not come. And we had follow-up conversations. We built relationship. We had them into our home. They had us over to their home. We know these people now. We know their story. And we're waiting. I'm out in my driveway intentionally working there on this Saturday of Easter because I want this opportunity to invite them to church, thinking I need to. And as I'm out there changing the tire, whatever I was doing, she comes out and she says to me, hey, what service are you going to tomorrow? Knowing that we have two. And I said, well, we have to be at both. We're kind of on staff. It's kind of mandatory. She says, well, we'd like to come to first service with you. Again, we didn't invite them. I said, okay, great. Show up this time. You can sit with the family and I got to do this. And That'd be amazing. They sit through Easter and we continue to build relationship. God is moving in their lives. And then we get to this point where over there one time and we decide, me and my neighbor, that we need to do our roofs, that our roofs, the shingles are going. And so I do all our home renovations, but I hate roofing. And so I was thinking I'll get somebody in. And he's like, no, you know how to do roofing, right? I said, well, yeah, but (laughs) he's like, no, let's do it together. You help me on my roof. I have no idea what I'm doing. And then I'll help you on yours. So I'm like, this is a moment. And so I, we pull out our calendars. We decide when we're going to do this, and it works out. This date happens to be a Sunday because we get Mondays off, and I know it's going to be more than one day. And so we decide, I'm thinking, okay, we could start Sunday afternoon. He's like, better yet, why don't we go to church with you Sunday morning, and then we can start on the roof after church. I said, great. I pull out my calendar, and I didn't tell him this, but what I see in the calendar is, again, this is my one of two Sundays to preach happens to be the Sunday. Coincidence? I don't think so. This is a providence of God. How many know you preach a little bit different when you got a friend who doesn't know Jesus yet who's sitting there? We need to preach like that every time we get up. I preach my heart out, deliver the message I believe God put on my heart to say, and I give a salvation call at the end, and Justin, my neighbor, raises his hand to invite Jesus into his heart. Not only that, but now I've got another two days to spend with Justin on the roof, in the heat, going back and forth to the dump, and we're talking and unpacking the decision that he's just made. Still in relationship with this family, we've since moved from that city, and they've moved outside of the city, but still in relationship today. See, there are neighbors, there are co-workers, there are people, there are even family members who are far from God, Can I remind you of the mission of Nova, why this thing got started? To see people far from God. What if you were a little more intentional, just a wee bit more relational? 
and authentic with every relationship you had, what could God do? Would you stand this morning? I know we've gone a little longer. Apologize. But I wanted to remind you of the mission and celebrate these past five years and all that God has done. But can I tell you, and I believe this, was a reminder to me as we saw it on the wall of that coffee shop this morning, the best is still yet to come. There are still people. There are still people. This is good. This is great. But it's not enough yet. Because there's still people in Halifax, in the surrounding region that don't know Jesus yet. That's why this matters. That's why people get here at 6.30 to some loading dock and start loading a U-Haul truck every single week. You know what? Regardless of what your job is, whether it's packing the truck, whether it's carrying a baby over there in this wing or serving a hot dog after, it all matters because people matter. Would you close your eyes? Nobody looking around. Maybe this is your first time here at Nova. Maybe you've been here a few times And God has spoken to your heart through worship, maybe through something I've said or Pastor Mike and Nancy have said, or maybe it's just been the hospitality this morning. You've seen Jesus through that. And you don't yet know or have a relationship with Jesus, but you'd like to this morning. I'm just inviting you just in the quietness and the stillness of this moment to just raise your hand right now, acknowledging to me, because I want to pray for you. Yeah, thank you. Hands are going up. Thank you. Come on. Thank you right there in the center. I see you. More importantly, Jesus sees you. Thank you, Jesus. This never gets old. Thank you over here. Hands are going up. We have some next steps for you here at Nova, and they'll guide you through that. And I encourage you to go to that booth at the end of this. But I want to pray for you. And I want you, invite you to pray this simple prayer. Repeat after me. And again, it's, I don't want to lead you astray. There's nothing magical or mystical about this prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's actually what's happening deep within your heart this morning. That you're acknowledging and professing that Jesus Christ is Lord and you want to know him. You want to follow him. And so can we all do this? Just say this, whether you've been serving Jesus for 30 years or three minutes. Let's just all say this. Dear Jesus, I come to you today recognizing that I need you. I want you. I want to know you. I want what these people have today. So show yourself to me. Forgive me of my sins. Do what I can't do on my own. Lead me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just celebrate for a moment the lives that have come to know Jesus this morning? It's so good. God is so faithful. So faithful. I'll do one more thing and pass this over to Pastor Mike. I want you to just close your eyes. The worship team's going to play. And I'm going to pass this over to Pastor Mike to close in prayer. For 30 seconds, I want you to just bow your heads, close your eyes. Everyone in this place, and I want you to think of one person, one name. Maybe already in your sphere of influence. Maybe they're at a coffee shop. You can see their face, but you don't know their story. You don't even know their name yet. But this week, within the next 48 hours, you're going to do something intentional, something to build relationship so that you can live authentically in front of them, something so you can get closer to that person because urgency increases with proximity. So take 30 seconds right now and ask Holy Spirit, put a name, put a face on my heart, my mind right now. 
In Jesus' name. If you put your hand up and you say, I started my relationship with Jesus today, the same yellow wall for guests. When this is done, would you make your way there? We just want to just give you a free Bible and just uh, say hi and just know we're celebrating today the start of something God's doing in your life. Amen. Uh, we're celebrating today. In a moment, I'm going to dismiss you at step four in next steps. Get your last step in for some of you, or maybe it's your first step. Um, it's such a special time. It's a very quick time. The barbecue is going to be flowing. Bouncing. Kids are going to be bouncing. Chocolate's going to be handed out. There's merch out there. We're going to have an amazing time as we celebrate loving God and loving people. Amen. God bless our church. Thank you for your faithfulness, and thank you for these people. Amen. Have an amazing week. We love you. Come on. Head to the lobby. Let's celebrate. We love you. Have an amazing time.